welcome back to a brand new episode of the Metaphor Podcast brought to you by LifePlex. Alex and Michael here, and we got a great topic for you guys today. We're going to be talking about how blockchain is going to be changing the financial services industry. Now, this is a big deal for us at LifePlex because this is one sector that we we spend a lot of time in. It's also one sector that has, in my opinion, had some of the most development, um, everything you know across blockchain. Like all the way, you know, if we go way back to when Bitcoin was first founded, this was kind of the first development in this space as an alternative to our traditional you know, financial institutions. But today we're going to be talking about everything that blockchain is allowing, uh, you know, financial institutions to do, as well as you, the consumer, because there's a lot more options now for you as the consumer uh, in terms of you know, financing, making payments, security. We're going to be talking about all of it. But first, we're going to talk, just give you a little brief on our week. Alex, how was your Christmas? How's your holidays? Everything great? Yeah, you know, um, great to always come back home and spend some time with family for the holidays. So that was great. And, you know, got back to Stanford um, a couple of days ago and classes are beginning to start. So it's always exciting when a new course. Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, I can't complain. You know, uh, it was a bit cold, but. I got to come back to the California weather, which it's been a bit rainy, you know, uh, when you guys hear this, you're going to be knowing that we're been going through a 10 day, you know, kind of rainstorm California. So RIP to the weather, but without further ado, we're going to get right into this topic about blockchain and, and banking and like financial services. So like, I think it would be real good just to kind of take everyone way back to when Bitcoin was first founded, you know, Bitcoin, it was a, alternative payment system and alternative currency in which uh, users could exchange currency from user to user. Meaning I, if I had Bitcoin and I wanted to pay Alex for something, I could send him Bitcoin um, to his, you know, Bitcoin wallet. And within, you know, a few minutes, probably 20 to 30 minutes, he's going to receive that payment. Right. Whereas the alternative was usually you have to go to your bank, you have to wire the money to an account number, There'd be probably two or three days for that to kind of, you know, process, settle for them to do all the security checks. And then also, too, they're, you know, wiring does require, you know, there's, there's a fee you pay whenever you wire. Um, so, you know, kind of with that, Bitcoin, in a way, was the first, I would say, revolutionary force into, you know, this space. However, one thing Bitcoin does um, that's not quite blockchain is they use like what's called a kind of a consensus ledger, meaning that like for a new block to be added to the ledger, there has to be like a common consensus uh, between all the others to allow it on there. Blockchain, on the other hand, is something that, uh, you know, we've been noticing kind of really enhanced decentralized finance or DeFi for short. Um, and that's a lot of the work that we do here at LifePlex. So, you know, one thing about uh, blockchain within the financial services industry is it's going to be a big force in the payments. Um, you know, Alex, I know that we work on a lot of these projects, you know, what are your thoughts on like, you know, payments as a whole? Yeah, definitely. You know, like payments and transactions, it's a huge sort of deal right now, especially like, you know, back in the early 2000s, online banking wasn't a thing. And now that sort of exploded. And now uh, even like kind of on top of that, we now have like Bitcoin and blockchain transactions where you can kind of like do payment processing, payment transactions, you know, pretty seamlessly while, you know, being able to utilize a pretty secure and established network. Um, yep. So I definitely think in the future, a lot of financial service 
the financial services industry as a whole is probably going to kind of adopt some sort of blockchain utilized system. And with that, um, there, there are kind of like sort of benefits, like you mentioned, like the speed, speed of transactions and also um, with the fees associated with um, sending payments is probably going to decrease as a result of, um, you know, utilizing blockchain networks. And so I think. Also the fact that it's borderless, like you could be located in Serbia and I can still send you, I, I can still send you a Bitcoin payment and you could also send me. Um, a Bitcoin payment. In fact, there's lots of instances where like uh, if people are employing you know, people internationally, you know, it can take almost up to two weeks to actually wire money internationally. In fact, there's even a fee taken out of that. I think in 2020, like this, you know, pay, the payment service generated about $175 billion um, in 2020, which is a large, large revenue stream. And a lot of this comes from just like fees, right? So you send a payment internationally, they're going to charge a certain percentage of however much you're wiring or, you know, a flat fee, whatever it may be. And both banks too, not just your bank, but the bank that's also receiving your payment is going to be charging you as well. All these little inconveniences, all these little gatekeeping type behaviors kind of go away with crypto because with crypto, or sorry, not necessarily with crypto, but just with like blockchain as a whole, you're able to you know, facilitate payments in a decentralized manner where you can do it in a peer-to-peer -peer way. Um, and that topic of like gatekeeping in terms of like in the financial services industry kind of like segues into our second, you know, way blockchain is going to really disrupt the financial services banking because there's actually going to be alternative financing options, which this, this might sound really crazy, but if you think about it like this, like say you need to go get a loan. Odds are, if you need a loan, you're going to go to your bank or you're going to go to a credit union or any place similar. Don't go to a title loan place, but you know what I mean. You're going to go to a place that'll allow you um, to get money and they're going to come up with the terms. You sign the terms out loan, you pay your loan back. But a lot of people don't necessarily like the terms that they're given. Sometimes there's a really high interest rate. Sometimes there's like a time crunch period. There's a lot of terms, you know, and depending on your credit, your history or whatever, you may not be able to access, you know, super you might not be able to access the most accessible loans available at a bank or somewhere so DeFi has really you know allowed these new platforms to start doing these alternative uh, financing options where let's say there's a DeFi platform you know um on there you can go onto this platform essentially request for a loan they're going to be able to come up with custom terms that you know you can help come up with they can help come up with um and facilitate a way in order to get you a loan and if you're not able to pay it back they still are able to receive uh the money they got back in fact there's actually platforms out there that will lend people like crypto will lend people money they can go and like invest that money. And if they don't meet a certain like return on equity or whatever, the loaner just takes the money back. And it's a really interesting way for people to start getting into like trading or something like that without, you know, a large amount of capital at hand. There's also, you know, Alex, like I think there's also ICOs, like, you know, how would a company like do what's called an initial coin offering? Like, what is that? Yeah, so essentially like initial coin offerings, they've kind of gained popularity as like a typical way of um, raising capital, um, kind of utilizing blockchain tech. And it's essentially like a fundraising technique that involves like the sale of like newly created crypto or tokens um, that really sort of represents like the ownership stakes within you know certain companies or 
especially within like startups or like just new projects that um, just kind of need sources of funding, but um, aren't really able to get get it through conventional ways, kind of via loans or like VCs, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, ICOs are kind of, it's definitely a, a very unique alternative. Um, kind of like if you know what an IPO is, like initial public offering with stocks, yeah. um, kind of like similar to that, except rather than like going public in terms of like billions of dollars, um, ICOs are essentially just a way of just gaining, you know, additional funding and yeah. without kind of like diminishing too much of your ownership stake um, yeah. for, you know, startup owners or, you know, newly created projects, things like that. And they have to be done in a certain way. Like one thing to emphasize is that LifeFlex is not a cryptocurrency company. We don't really do a whole lot in crypto, but the underlying, you know, technology, the blockchain technology is one that powers ICO. So if you're, you know, out there, you know, you're looking to maybe possibly fundraise and you can't, you know, really go through VC, ICO might be the way for you. And lastly, and this is just kind of, you know, one big thing with blockchain as a whole, but the security and fraud pre prevention uh, that, you know, blockchain will allow companies to, you know, really enhance that part. Like this is, this is one area that is definitely going to save banks, not only a lot of money and time. So like, for those of you out there, like a lot of payment companies, especially like banks or credit card companies, um, honestly, like even some tech companies out there, they have to do what's called KYC. It stands for know your customer and know your customer is like a big verification thing you have to do where you, you typically have to send addresses. You typically have to send like ID information, sometimes passports, sometimes other legal document. Um and you have to send that into a company in order to verify your information so that, you know, someone just can't call and, you know, withdraw all your money or something like that. However, like all this data is stored like off a ledger. It's encrypted and stored, um, you know, off of a ledger. It's off of a centralized letter, ledger nonetheless. And the problem with these centralized ledgers is once they gain access to the ledger, they can gain access to the entire ledger. Yeah. Hence it being centralized. But on a decentralized system such as blockchain, what banks would be able to do is like if someone were to hack your information, like they might have your information, you know, they might have your node, but they're not going to be able to access all the other nodes on the blockchain because there's only two keys. There's the public and private key. One of those being owned by the person whose, you know, account or node it is. And the other being owned, you know, essentially by the bank or whoever can, you know, view that information, right? So with it being in a centralized manner, in order to gain all the information, like a hacker would, I guess, in a way, have to be able to get every single like public key, be able to link that back. So that's that's the third reason. But with that, we're gonna wrap it up right here. You know, we ex pretty much explained three ways that you know blockchain is gonna disrupt the financial services industry. Make sure to follow us on on our LinkedIn. It's LiveFlex on LinkedIn. Give us a follow. We write lots of content articles. You know, you can get yourself informed and make sure to keep out, uh, keep an eye out for the next episode. But until then, we're signing off. Peace. Yep. Catch you guys later.